last Sunday of January, and if you were here last week, you would have heard that 80% of New Year's resolutions fail by February. So you still have some hope left. You've got a week more to say, like, I'm going to stick to my resolutions. Here is something interesting that I read about habits this week. Most or a lot of what we do every single day is actually not determined by conscious choice as we think, but by our habits. The researchers say that about 40 to 45% of what you do every single day is not conscious choice, but habits. Can you believe that? So without knowing it, our habits are shaping us to be someone that we want to be or not want to be. And that's why we started this series, because habits have the power to do something in our lives. And um, I don't know who of you are familiar with this aviation rule that they call the one in 60 rule. Now, this is an interesting rule that you might have heard somewhere. It's not um, super scientific. It's not 100% accurate, but they still use it in smaller aircraft because it helps them to determine what went wrong if they do go off course. But the one in 60 rule says this. If you are one degree off course... Over 60 nautical miles, so they, they measure um, sea and, and air miles in the same way. If you're one degree off course, over 60 nautical miles, you will be one nautical mile off course. Okay, so that's a one in 60 rule. So let me break it down to you. If you're one degree off after 30 centimeters, you will be 0.5 centimeters off course. Like, that's not too bad. I've got a bad habit, you know, it doesn't show immediately. I'm not that off course, I'm not that bad, so it's fine. But here's the interesting part. That gap quickly enlarges. If you had a rocket ship and you would fly from Earth to the moon and you are one degree off course, by the time you get to the moon, you would be 6,700 kilometers off target. And if you're like, hey, that's a lot, you know, but we're talking about the moon, it's not that big. You will have missed the moon completely because 6,700 kilometers is almost twice the diameter of the moon. So you won't be landing like on the edge of the moon. You'll just be like missing the moon. You'll look out of your window and you'll be like the moon is on the horizon. And that is what habits can do in our life. If we have the right habits, it can lead us to the right places. But the wrong habits, even a little one, one degree of course, can lead us to missing the target completely. But the same is true. One degree of course, miss the target. The same is true if you make a one degree good adjustment in your life. It means that over a period of time, that one degree good adjustment can also help you to actually get where you wanna be. So that's why we're talking about this series. This is why we're talking about habits in this series because we wanna say how can we make little adjustments in our life that will lead us to the place where we want to be. And if you were here last week, we said last week, don't decide what you want to do before you have decided who you want to be. And we have to decide, we have to hear from God who he created us to be. And once we know, once that's a value, once that's our identity, then we can decide what habits do I need to start to get me where I might be heading in a different direction. What habits can I start to get me back on that path? So our topic today is starting the right habits, starting the right habits. And we're going to be quite practical today. Last week, I asked you to go and figure out, to go and sit down. I hope you did it. I don't think everyone did it. But to go and sit down and hear from God, who do I want to be? Who should I be? And today, we're going to say, okay, if you've decided who you should be, now we can start talking about how to add good habits to your life. And if you haven't done the first exercise, it means you have to go back home, 
You have to restart, have to rewatch last week's message, and then restart the exercise. But today, starting the right habits, we're going to continue reading from the book of Daniel. Now, last week we read about Daniel and how he decided who he wanted to be, and that meant that he didn't always take on certain of the habits of the Babylonian people. So Daniel was an Israelite. Babylonian Empire conquered Israel, took all of their noble people, all of their um, educated people, took them to Babylon to kind of immerse them in this new culture so that they wouldn't feel like Israelites anymore, but more like Persians, and that means they would influence the whole nation. The nation is easy to then take care of and just becomes part of the empire. But Daniel knew that he was called to stand out. He knew that he was called to look different. And today we're going to see how Daniel, with one simple habit, influenced his whole life. And um, if you grew up in church, even if you only went once or twice a year, you've probably somewhere in your life heard of the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Okay, if you haven't heard that, today you're going to not hear that. You're going to hear this, the part that precedes that. So Daniel chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles, you can open to Daniel 6. It will also be on the screen. And um, I want to encourage you to go home today and to go and read the whole chapter 6. So include the part of the lions at the end. It's so cool. But anyway, Daniel 6 verse 1 in the New Living Translation. Darius the Meter, he was the emperor at this point of time. He decided to divide this kingdom, in, kingdom into 120 provinces. Remember, this was a huge empire. He cannot manage it all. So he divided it into 120 provinces. And then he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. So Daniel has been climbing the ranks, the corporate ladder, and he's, he's pretty much right at the top there, right? But Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. It's kind of like his life stories. The whole time he's more capable. And because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Guys, what happens when, when we get a break somewhere in life? Someone always wants to bring us down. So then in verse 4, the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling, handling the government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and he was completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So like, if we can't find a fault with this man, let's go after his faith. That must be the easiest. So the administrators and the high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. We are all in agreement, the administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, such as a God or a human being, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. The king Darius signed the law. Can you imagine how happy he is? He's like, yes, I'm going to be a god for 30 days. People are going to pray to me. But he didn't know his favorite is going to be in danger here. So verse 10, hear what Daniel does. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. 
He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, just as his habit was, giving thanks to God. That's where we're going to read. Because this is such an interesting story. Darius is all excited. He's like, yes, I'm going to be a God for 30 days. Meantime, his favorite old Daniel um, is going to be in trouble. He didn't know this. He was just excited. But this is a very strict law. And when I re read verse 10, where Daniel goes back after this law, and he's like, I'm going to continue with my habit of praying. I was wondering, what would I have done? And you can place yourself in issues. What would you have done if this law came into effect today? Imagine tomorrow in the newspaper, you open it on news, everything. It says, if you pray to any God, if you gather for any form of worship, and you pray to anything except for President Ramaphosa, you're going to be killed immediately. What would you do? And, and Daniel knew. I get on my knees. I start praying. And I'm going to go into a lion's den. It's not going to be a pretty death. They're literally going to rip me limb from limb while I'm alive. And that's my destiny. What would you have done? Maybe you would have said, you know what? I'm only going to pray in silence now. So no one will know. I'll kind of walk around, eyes open. No one will know, but I'm praying to God. Maybe you would have said, you know what? I'm going to close the window so that people walking past won't see me praying. Maybe you would have said, uh, you know what? I'm going to pray once. So instead of doing it three times a day, I'm going to pray early in the morning before anyone gets up. No one knows. It's all good, right? We're like, what's the harm? Is it really so bad? I can go back later and, and then fix it. Now maybe, maybe you would have just stopped praying completely. But what is so interesting to me is often what happens is that we do not think about the habits that form when we are distracted. Distractions lead us to not think about the habits we automatically form in life. You see, if, if Daniel decided to not pray for that while, for, for, for 30 days, he wouldn't have just stepped back on his habit. He would have actually added a new habit to his life, and that is the habit of not praying. So you're not just letting go of something, you're adding something to your life. And as we already heard, one degree of course can mean that you miss your target completely. Because Daniel decided beforehand who he wants to be, it was easy for him to then stick to the habits that was leading him on that path. You see, but what often happens in our life is we establish a good habit, distractions come along, and then we let go of that, and we think we're just letting go of it this once, and then we'll just pick up where we left off. So maybe you've got a family night every week, and during that night you have dinner as a family, you play board games, whatever. Your boss calls you, he says he's an important client from the U.S. coming in, and you have to have a, a, some supper with him on, on that night. And you're like, well, it, you know, it's an emergency. I can pick up on my habit afterwards, so I'm just going to go out. I'm going to have some dinner with, with this important investor from the U.S. You have that dinner. Next Tuesday, you're like, you know what? No, nothing actually happened because over 30 centimeters, we moved 0.5. So nothing really happened. So I'm just going to do, I'm going to watch a movie next week. And a couple of months down the line, suddenly you have no relationship with your wife or with your children. You don't know what's going on. You don't know why everything fell apart. And it's because not only did you give up on a good habit that invested into your family life, you actually acquired a new habit of exchanging that habit for a new habit of doing things that were fun for you and maybe excluded your family. 
You decide to skip church one week, and you're like, you know what, I can pick up in two weeks or three weeks' time. It's fine, and I'm just skipping one week. Then next week you do something fine, you go and climb the mountain on Sunday, and the week of, you're like, but nothing really happened. I moved 0.5 centimeters. That's not that bad. So I'm just going to do it again next week, and I'm going to do something fine. And you didn't just give up your habit of going to church and worshiping God with your fellow believers. What you did is you acquired a new habit of doing entertaining stuff for yourself without even realizing it. You see, and what happens is distractions lead us to not think about new habits we form. And 40 to 45% of what we do are, is, is, is determined by our habits. Stephen Covey, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective Leaders, he wrote this. He, he says it so beautifully. He says, it's incredibly easy to get caught in an activity trap. In the busyness of life, to work harder and harder at climbing the ladder of success, only to discover that this ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. That's what distractions do. I had this idea of who I wanted to be, so now I implement a habit, but I get distracted because I'm working like, it seems like Daniel was working for something, right? Because he kept climbing this ladder. So I'm working to climb the ladder at work. I'm working to become a better athlete. I'm working to be better at my hobbies. I'm working at this. There's so much busyness. There's so much distraction. These people call me. My social media is giving me notifications, and, and, and you keep climbing this ladder. You think you're still busy with the right habits, you get to the top and you're like, I'm on the wrong roof. I missed my target. I missed the moon by two moons. Let me tell you today, the devil doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. He had a plan to destroy Daniel by feeding him to lions. But he didn't have to destroy Daniel if Daniel was distracted enough. Because if Daniel got distracted, he would have given up his habit of praying, which means his relationship with God would have started to fall apart, which means everything would have later started to unravel. And then he won anyway. The only thing the devil needs to do is to distract you enough to miss where you're going. To take you, if it can take you one degree of course, it's like you're going to miss your target anyway. Because if we want to acquire new habits in the world we're living in, we have to understand that it's going to take some focus and discipline to stay on track, not just with the what I'm doing, but with who I am becoming. Daniel could have said in that moment, he could have allowed his circumstances, he could have allowed his fear, he could have allowed all of those things to determine what he's doing, and in the end of the day, it would have determined who he decided to be. So it's going to take focus, it's going to take discipline, and it's going to take some willpower to sometimes do things you don't want to do. Do you think he wanted, after he heard this decree, to go home, get on his knees in front of everyone and pray? No, he didn't. But he made a decision that he's going to look different than every other person in that kingdom. That in a kingdom who does not believe in the living God, he's going to be such a vivid testimony of the living God. So he decided instead of standing like the Persians with their hands in the air when he's praying, he's going to go on his knees. He decided he's going to open his window. He's going to look over to Jerusalem and remember the city and the God that he came from. And he wanted to look different. And in that moment, I'm sure he was like, but come on, God, what if, what if for this one moment I don't look different? What if for this one moment people are not 100% sure who I'm worshiping? But he had the willpower to continue. We have to make that choice to act according to our values, 
rather than our distractions, our desires, and our impulses, because they will come. So the first thing, if you want to say, how do I start the right habits? Make sure that you remember to focus on what habits you're adding to your life. Don't get so distracted that by the end of the year, you end up where you didn't want to be. But now let's, let's get a little practical. What habits do I need to, to start in my life? Can I, I know all of you are probably waiting for this. Okay, Lee, tell me to add this, this, and this, and then my life will be smooth sailing. So, so it, I could do that. And it could sound pretty. I could give you a couple of habits that would probably help to align certain things in your life. Like here's one. In, in 2016, you can go and Google this article. I actually read it. It's great. 2016, a Harvard professor, um, Van der Weel, after 20 years of research, he wrote an article in the USA Today. And he wrote about a miracle drug that's accessible to most people, but a lot of people don't use it anymore. And, and he said, this is the result. If you take this miracle drug cons- like, like, on, on a, like consistently, he says your mortality rate will go down 20 to 30% over 15 years. If you do this every week, by 15 years, your mor- mor- mortality rate will be down 20 to 30%. He said it leads to less depression. It leads to less suicide. Your divorce chances, your chances of divorce will go down by 47%. And he says if you consistently do it, your life expectancy will actually increase by seven years. And he said you have direct access to it. You can go and Google this. It's, it's really, it's not, not a... Not a Anyone who's writing this, 20 years of study. Do you know what the miracle drug is? Church attendance. Like, what? So I can come to church, live seven years longer? That sounds good. I'm going to do that, right? So I, can, I could go this morning and I can give you a bunch of good reasons why you should add stuff like that to your life. But here's the thing that we as human beings do when someone tells us to do something. We go like, oh, no, thank you. I'll find my own way. Or you're like, yeah, that was a cool idea, and you go home, you do nothing about it because it wasn't your choice. You didn't decide to do it because it, for whatever reason, you might feel like it doesn't line up. So what I want to tell you is, how do we know what habits to start? I'm not going to give you habits. I'm going to give you the tools so you can decide what habits you should start. And here's the, here's the main thing I want to get across today. Do not start five habits this year. Do not start 10. Do not start 20. Do not start 50 or 100. Start one. Because when we read about Daniel, we don't read about just like anybody. This is a guy that is called accomplished over and over. A guy that every time we read about him, he just stood out so much above everyone else in the kingdom that the king kept promoting him. This guy was climbing the corporate ladder like crazy. He had good values. He wasn't corrupt. He wasn't negligent. Everything in his life was good. We're like, clearly this guy has good habits. He's, he's on the track. He's like rising. That's what I want to be. I want to go through this corporate ladder. You know what else? Daniel was living in the perfect will of God to such an extent that when he was thrown to hungry lions, they just sat there and looked at him. They didn't even nibble on his ear. And you're like, but maybe they weren't hungry. They were hungry because right after Daniel was thrown to the lions and they didn't eat him, the king was so mad at the guys who made this plan that he threw them and their whole family to the lions and the lions just devoured a couple of families. Like, this sounds like a guy who had some good habits, right? In his corporate life, 
His physical life, we read that physically he just stood out as well. And in his spiritual life, everything is on track. What's his secret? One single habit. We read so much about who he was, but we don't read a lot about what he did. But we do read about one habit that the Bible said. He went and he prayed three times a day as he always did, as was his habit. One habit, one small domino that had a whole effect on his life that toppled all the little ones till finally the big one fell. Because when we decide to start too many habits, what happens is in, in this world of distraction, we will lose track of what habit we're trying to do, you know, eating healthy and exercising and trying to spend time with God and being a better day. And I've got all these habits. I will lose track of it. I will fail at those habits. And what happens when I fail at the goals that I set for myself? I start to feel like a failure. And then I give up. There's actually amongst um, behavioral, behavioral change research is consensus that you should only add one habit at a time to your life. There's a guy at Stanford University, BJ Fogg. He said you can add a maximum of three. You're like, okay, that sounds better. You know, I can't just do one, then I'm never gonna go anywhere. I need to at least add three. He's like, this is what the three looks like. They should be so tiny, it should be like flossing one tooth a day. Can you imagine taking out your, just like a piece of floss like that and just like one, Throw it away, like tomorrow, next tooth, one, throw it away. Like it will freak me out completely. I'm like, if I start, I have to finish, right? But he's like, floss one tooth a day, do one push-up a day. He's like, don't, don't even go to the gym, one push-up. If you want to add three things, they're small things. So this consensus, do one thing. And what is interesting, it is not just the world that's realizing that we can't do multiple things at the same time. We should start with one. But Jesus said exactly the same thing. In Matthew 6, verse 33, hear what Jesus says. He's like, if you have to add one habit to your life, this is the habit that Jesus recommends. You ready for it? He says, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Put first things first. Jesus says, put God first, and guess what? The rest will flow. Daniel put God first by going on his knees, by praying three times a day, and guess what happened? He lived in the power of God, lions did it eat him. He put God first by praying three times a day, guess what happened? His physical appearance was better than all the other young men. He put God first and he prayed three times a day, and guess what happened? He climbed the corporate ladder. He put God first by praying three times a day, and guess what happened? His value system, his moral compass were perfectly aligned with true north. Make a decision to put first things first. Make a decision to start one habit based on your values, based on who you want to be rather than on your circumstances. You see, because our circumstances are temporary. See, if Daniel said, my circumstances demand because the king is gonna kill me if I pray, so for now, for 30 days, that's super short, temporary, I'm gonna adjust my habits to fit my circumstances, that's short term. His whole life is going to start falling apart because he based his habits on short-term circumstances. Instead, he said, I'm going to base my habit on my values. That's long-term. It doesn't die out. It doesn't have an expiry date because that's who God created you to be. And because his, his habits were based on his value, he kept going. 
And here's the amazing thing. I know what you're thinking. You're like, Louis, but come on, man. One habit, nothing is going to happen. Nothing. But that one habit, researchers say, can become a keystone habit in your life. So I, I, I didn't always understand this concept, and I'm going to explain to you, to you now, but this is a keystone habit. A keystone habit is a habit which presence, the presence of this one habit will help you to implement others. So I didn't get this, but about almost a year and a half ago, when Yolandi was pregnant, I realized I've, I've never been a super great athlete, a bit of short distance running. I've never found a sport that I really love. But I was like, I'm not in my 20s any, anymore. I'm like in my mid-30s. I'm going to have a little baby that's going to run around. I won't be able to keep up. I have a lot of stress. I need to get rid of this. So I decided to join a high-intensity interval training class. And I decided I'm going to stick with it three times a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays. The classes were in the morning. The first two times I went, I was so physically tired when I came back can ask you, Landy, about this, that I lay down on the couch the whole day and I didn't work. I physically couldn't go. I was like, so now what happens? I've been, I'm a researcher, so I've read a lot about sleep research. And I'm like, oh, yes. If you don't sleep like at different random times, get up at different random times, it puts your body into a good, um, ha- into a good rhythm. It helps you to not feel so tired all the time. So I'm like, okay, now I have to go to bed every night at the same time, get up at the same time, and it helps because then I know I'm at the gym. So now suddenly I'm sleeping better, habit two. I didn't plan for that habit. I didn't say this year I'm going to sleep better. It happened automatically. Then I go back to the gym. I'm there for a little while. I start to get super dizzy. I want to pass out. I'm standing outside trying to catch my breath. The coach is like, dude, you have to watch what you eat. You can't train this intense and, and you eat the wrong stuff. So I'm like, man, I'm literally, I'm going to pass out. So I started eating differently. I never planned to eat healthy. I'm like fine with my chocolates and my ice cream and my everything. But now I'm eating healthy because otherwise I feel like I want to pass out. And when I eat the wrong stuff, I go to the gym, I want to pass out again. So now suddenly I'm eating healthy. I didn't plan for it. One habit becomes a keystone habit and it influences others. Suddenly I've got three good habits in my life. I started with one. And that is what God is saying. Like start one thing. Put God first like Daniel and the rest will follow. And even if you're not convinced today, and you're like, but come on, it's still one habit. What can you do? Let me ask you this. If you successfully, because numerous times we make New Year's resolutions, right? And they fail. But what if you made one resolution a year to start one habit a year, and because you only chose one, every year you successfully make that habit part of your life? Where you, will you be in 10 years from now when you've got 10 new habits, successful habits? In 20 years, in 30 years, in 40 years, in 50 years when you've got 50 successful habits and suddenly you're on your deathbed and you're the man or the woman that God created you to be instead of the grumpy old man that no one wants to do, have to do anything with you because you're just so mean. One habit here. Like, okay, Louis, that sounds better, but what if I want to start a second one? You wait till that first habit becomes routine. You know what routine means? Routine means that not only do you pray three times a day for a week or two, it means that when the king say, if you pray again, you're going to die, you still continue doing it because there's no other way out of this. Because it's part of my life. Routine means that when you go away on vacation, you don't stay away from the gym for another three months because it's routine you go. Routine means that even when you're in, in, in the Kruger National Park on a Sunday, you go to church anyway because it's part of your routine. Since I was little, no matter where we went on vacation, 
My parents would find a little church in the middle of the bush, and we would go there. So until you're in routine, you don't start another habit. So what do you start? One thing based on your who, on who you want to be. Let's talk about another practical one. How do I start a good habit and keep going at it? Now, this is hard, right? It's hard to start habits and it's right to keep doing them. And here's my simple answer from Daniel's life. I'm sorry, I missed that one. Make it easy for yourself. Don't make it difficult. So Daniel did an interesting thing. We read about the three times he prayed a day, and then there's a bunch of other things, like little words standing next to that, and we kind of like just brush over it, and we're like, yes, Daniel was a cool dude praying three times a day. But there's a couple of very specific things that I want you to see. Daniel went to his upper room. So we don't know if he slept there as well or whether it was his prayer room, but when Daniel walked up the stairs into the room, what is his mind saying? This is where you pray. It's a trigger. The second thing that Daniel did is we read that his window was open towards Jerusalem. So he walks up the room, his window is open, he looks out over the direction of Jerusalem, and he's like, man, I remember the God, the God of my forefathers. I remember the God who's been with me in Babylon. I remember the God of Jerusalem. It's a trigger. It's like, I need to pray to my God. He did another thing, and that is he went on his knees. And I already told you it was different than how the people of, of, of the Persian people prayed. So when he went on his knees, even when he just wanted to tie his shoes, Brian's like, did you need to pray on your knees? And he's like, oh, yes, trigger. He prayed three times a day. And although theologians cannot agree specifically on why he prayed three times a day, because there wasn't any specific laws or requirements back then, they are thinking it's because in the temple in Jerusalem, they had sacrifices and services three times a day. So Daniel grew up close to the temple where he saw sacrifices three times a day. So his brain is programmed for that. So in the morning when it would have been morning sacrifice, what does he do? He remembers, oh yes, it's God time, I have to pray. In the afternoon when it's sacrifice time, he remembers, oh yes, it's time to pray. For me, it would have been breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I will never miss them. So then it's easy to remember to pray, right? By the way, that's a good one. Just pray before you eat. That's already a good start. But here is what, what Daniel did, how he did it, made it easy for himself with those triggers. Charles Duhigg, in his book, The Power of Habit, said that we get a habit loop. And this is what a habit loop is. There's a cue that triggers a routine or an action that leads to a reward, that leads to a cue, that leads to a routine, that leads to a reward. So this is basically how it works. You're sitting behind your desk at work. Your, your, your tummy starts to rumble because you're hungry like mine is now. Like, and you're like, ah, oh, I'm hungry. That is the trigger. You get up from your chair. You walk down the hallway to the vending machine. You put in your 10 rand note. Out pops your bar one. You go back to your chair. You sit down. You take a bite. Your brain's like, ooh, sugar. And ooh, tummy's full. So good hormones that we spoke about last week. Dopamine, that is secreted. Your brain feels good. It rewards you. So tomorrow, you're sitting at your chair again, Tommy goes, Ugh, and you're like, trigger, your brain is like, do you remember that reward? You're like, yes, I do. So you get back up, your routine starts to form, you go back to the vending machine, you pop your tin ran in, 
you take your bar one out, you go back, you eat your bar one, your brain rewards you again. The loop continues six months from now. You cannot get out of your office chair anymore. You have to like roll to the vending machine. You don't know what happened. And it's because you were stuck in a habit loop. But habit loops are not bad, they're good as well. So use it to your advantage. This is literally what Daniel did. He had triggers and numerous triggers that would remind his brain it's time to pray. And because he was spending time with God, because God was speaking to him, because it made a difference in his life, he was rewarded for it, so the loop continued. So what do we do if we want to start a new habit? One, get an obvious trigger like Daniel. If you say, I want to spend time with God, get a trigger that will make it obvious for you. So say like, I'm going to do this 30 minutes. I'm going to wake up 30 minutes earlier in the morning to spend time with God. So what do you do? Your first trigger is your alarm on your phone. Like, shucks, man, but I'm a snoozer. I'm like, you take your phone, you put it on the other side of the room. So alarm goes off. Trigger one, you have to get out of bed, walk. It's like your brain tells you, oh, yes, if you get out of bed, what's the first thing you do? You switch off alarm and you pray. And you're like, Lee, but I'm not in the mood. I'm so tired. You know what you do? You pick a gospel song on your phone as your alarm. So now alarm goes off, trigger one. You get out of bed, trigger two. You hear the gospel music playing. You're in the zone. You spend 30 good minutes with God. Boom, and it's done. He said, like, I want to start reading a book three times a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays in the evening. But man, every time, day is busy, I forget about it. You take your book, Monday morning when you make your bed, you put it on your pillow. So you walk into your room tonight, like, ah, book on the pillow, trigger. You start reading. Make, get yourself some triggers that will make it easy for you. And the second thing is, make your habit attainable. If Daniel, could he have prayed 10 times a day? Probably not. He had a very high position. So there was probably not a lot of leisure time for him to just walk around and go get on his knees and pray. But he probably did it before he started work. He did it after he started work and maybe in his lunch break. So it's attainable three times a day. If you have a habit, don't say like, you know, I haven't trained for 20 years and now suddenly I'm going to go to the gym and train seven days a week. It's not going to happen. It's so like, I'm going to walk two times a week with the dog. So you hang your leashes against your doorknob. You get in, you see the trigger. It's a attainable habit. You do it. Craig Grishel, when he talks about, um, about habits, this is what he says. He says, put it down on paper. Otherwise, you're not going to remember it. So last week I said, go and write down who you want to be, who God created you to be. And today we're saying like, Add one habit to your life. But this is how we can make it practical for yourself. Go home and write this. If you've got a piece of paper, you can write this down now so you remember. After I do dot, 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 I will do dot, dot, dot. The first one is your trigger. After I wake up in the morning, I will do, I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will read my Bible. Whatever that might be. That's an easy way for you to remember it, put it against your fridge, put it against your mirror, put it against your forehead, whatever you need to do to remember it. But never underestimate the change that one right habit can jumpstart in your life. One small domino can topple a big one. One small act of obedience, like praying three times a day, even when the king said no, 
brought about such a huge miracle in Daniel's life. Not only was he, was he promoted to the highest position in the kingdom, but he lived, he saw the power of God in the middle of a lion's den. That's where I want to live. Best version of who God created me to be. Never underestimate what God can do through one small act of obedience. Let's pray. God, thank you that you've got a plan for our lives. Thank you that you created us with purpose. Thank you that we are still here because you're not finished with us, because our purpose hasn't run out. I pray this morning, God, that you'd give us the wisdom to add one habit to our lives in 2020, to align ourselves more with your will, with who you want us to be. And I pray, God, that you would give us the wisdom to not get distracted by busyness, to not get distracted by, by problems and circumstances and whatever they might be. But help us to keep our focus on who you created us to be. Then help us to keep our focus on the habit, that one degree correction that would help us to become that person. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.